Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Do you love me so much in your ear you also want me in your inbox? Sign up for my newsletter for more thoughtful content and resources to help your style discovery. Visit www.bu.style to sign up or click the link below in the show notes to get notes from Nat delivered directly to you. Welcome back. I have another amazing, amazing human to introduce you to today. And I get to merge some of my favorite things, client love, style explorations, investing in yourself, and the theater arts. But first, I just want to talk to you about how summer and swimsuit season are here. I want to give you a kind and loving reminder that every body is a swimsuit body. You know, there's so many, like as this time is here, we see these magazines and ads reminding us, you know, to do these swimsuit body workouts or whatever fad diet there is or extreme workout program is hot at the moment. I really want you to focus on not letting them make you feel like you have to cover up if you don't look a certain way, if you don't look like the way that they're showing you or telling you. Your body is good enough as it is. I'm going to repeat that. Your body is good enough as it is. Enjoy the outdoors. Enjoy being with people you love. And really the only thing you need to cover up is your skin with a good SPF. Speaking for my dermatologist and myself, So I've written an article on my business website, which I'll drop in the episode notes with some new ways to think about swimsuit shopping to hopefully bring some excitement and joy, that excitement and joy that we felt as kids when you're just like your parents were saying, put on your swimsuits because you knew that the swimsuit was a signal for pure joy and the freedom to come. All right. I am so excited to introduce you to our guest today, who is just an amazing human, a client turned friend. We met up and had a beautiful walk in Prospect Park a few weeks ago. Just like so many good vibes from this human being, Um, Megan Kingery. Megan Kingery is a Tony nominated producer of everything and creative transformational coach. Megan has brought financing to multiple Broadway productions, including Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and Fun Home, two shows I personally love. She was the conceiver and creative producer of Blue Man World and a producer on the award-winning indie film The Subject. She was the experiential producer for the In Her Shoes campaign, winner of Best Experiential and Best Tech for Good Ideas Award and finalist for a canned glass lion. So, you know, just a few accolades. As a coach, she works with creative entrepreneurs in every medium who are ready to dramatically level up in their career, visibility, and fundraising capacity. So as you see, we have a very awesome, amazing conversation coming. And welcome, Megan. Hello. Hello, my friend. I'm so happy to see you again <laughs> so soon since we last saw each other. Same. Yes. No, it was... Uh... 
It had been a while since we've seen each other. There was obviously this pandemic in the way and a lot of life happening, but just the, it was so nourishing to have that conversation that sprouted in so many different directions about where we're at right now, personally, career-wise, creatively, all kinds of stuff. So I'm excited for this conversation. It was a lot of synergy on a park bench with her cute nugget dog, um, who I'll maybe post in uh, Instagram a picture of that day. And yes, literally this dog, Carmen, knew every single person in the neighborhood. It was like, I think the most popular dog I've ever met. I, I love, you know, you listed a few accolades that I have, but my dog is a celebrity. Uh, she is, everyone in Prospect Park knows her. She does have her own Instagram at Carmen the Cane Corso at, on Instagram. <laughs> um, and we, she is a rescue dog from Texas. She was first rescued by the Navadog Rescue Ranchito in Texas uh, and then came to New York through Badass Brooklyn Animal Rescue. She was a breeding dog. She is a 117 pound Cane Corso Mastiff and is the gentlest giant in all the world. And I love her so much. And it, it's just very funny. It, it is it has become such a, like we're talking about investing in ourselves and investing in things that we love. And she has become such a focal point of my entire life. <laughs> I mean, I can see why. She's just such a, like those eyes and just the gentle, she really is a gentle giant. And literally yes. everyone were sitting on this park bench and couldn't get through like 30 seconds of a conversation in the beginning, especially without <laughs> someone being like, oh, Carmen, oh, how's Carmen today? So, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, we gush about our dogs. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So speaking of investing in yourself, um, Megan and I met in 2014 uh, because was it or was it before that? It was it's in the zone. That's in the zone, but it might've been a little earlier. Yeah. But, it, it's but been a minute. The, yeah. <laughs> it's been a minute that I got a call and I remember meeting in your Brooklyn apartment and we did a closet session and then we worked together a number of times from there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. really just to get our conversation started, I have permission from Megan to share a post that she recently put on LinkedIn that I want to read the whole thing and then back mm -hmm. up and I want to dissect it because today I really want to talk about investing in yourself, which is a lot of what we should be doing. You know, pandemic, I think really sparked thoughts of where are we going? What do we want to be? How do we want to show up when all of this is over? So I think it's a mm -hmm. really relevant time to back up when, you know, you were doing this in a really pivotal part in your life. And then moving mm -hmm. forward, how we can continue to invest in ourselves. So this was the post that Megan shared. In 2014, I was feeling like I had already plateaued and I was still an assistant. I was working constantly, both at my day job and my projects outside of work. Years of leaning in had left me exhausted, burnt out, and no one could see me as anything more than co competent support staff. I tried a lot of things to turn things around, but here are the investments I made that provided the biggest payoff. Investment one, I hired one coach just to help me define my goals. I had a lot of grand plans, sort of, but they didn't have any shape. With my coach, Debbie Robbins, we started to get incredibly clear about the scope of my ambition. 
what I wanted, and what the very first steps would be in that process. Since those days, I've achieved much of what we started out with envisioning. So I've had to 10 times that vision at least twice. I hired another coach who was doing what I wanted to be doing and asked him exactly how he did it. That would be producing, blogging, theater maker pro creator Ken Davenport. We came up with intensely specific strategies for my theatrical ambitions, while he also taught me the basics of working with investors for Broadway. I hired a stylist, Natalie Tincher. That's me. We've all heard the saying, dress for the job you want. But for me, it was more than that. With Natalie, I started picking out clothing that subconsciously told myself and others that I was a high-quality asset. These days, I mostly rock the elevated basics, but I've kept the attitude. I got my first big-ass tattoo. Those who know me know that this was the first of many. This was just for fun, but they remain my favorite investments. Loved that. That post really stuck with me, and it got a lot of feedback. I actually like went back to that post numerous times to see what people put as uh, their investments in themselves and what? Oh, that's so kind. And and I was really surprised some some of the response it got as well with with other people that I consider incredibly accomplished saying, I forgot this. I forgot that I'm supposed to invest in myself. I forgot that I was supposed to take care of myself as one of the assets of my business. <laughs> because we do, we forget. We're the entire engine of what we do. A thousand percent, especially when you're in a space like the two of us are in which you're either a solopreneur or a very small business. And there's a lot on your shoulders and a lot of hats that you have to wear. And so sometimes Mm -hmm. I think we forget to step back and look at the macro level and do a, a check inside ourselves of like, am I on a hamster wheel or am I inspired and moving forward? Exactly. And that was really the, the point at which we we first met and and our journeys intersected was a really deep inflection point for me because i i was also i was used to sort of throwing money at problems and and i do i want to sort of check my privilege at this point also you know i had some funds to invest in myself but the biggest investment i would say was time and and that is something that i had but was not willing to make available to my growth It's an interesting thing because I was um, just talking to my therapist about how one of my least favorite qualities to give those who aren't in New York a context of New Yorkers is that I use it in this voice. Everyone is so busy. I'm just like so (laughs) busy. (laughs) And like it's this like martyr busy of like, you know, it's like nobody has any time, almost a a self-importance, but instead I see it as a lack of self-reflection. It, it's absolutely that. And it's it's also forgetting that if you are not making time on your calendar for things like deep creative work, that means that you are you are that that's not a priority for you. You know, I I, I often and this is something I, I tell both the production teams that I'm working with as well as the clients that I work with is to put on the calendar. Um, I, I often call it staring at the wall time. Because I don't know what's going to happen in that time. You know, maybe I'm going to be working on strategy. Maybe I'm going to be doing creative writing. Maybe I'm going to be doing a couple of different things. But I need to let my brain have some freedom and some rest. And I have, I have to specifically take time out of my day to invest in that. 
And it's an incredibly difficult mindset to get into, especially when you're like, if I'm, if I'm not productive, I'm failing. And I think that's a really toxic New York quality of if I'm not production productive in this moment, I'm failing. If I'm not maximizing my productivity, I'm failing. If I'm not exhausted, I'm failing. And, you know, this was the point at which you met me is I was exhausted and people knew that I was very skilled. They knew that I was very intelligent, but nobody saw me as a leader. And I wasn't, I wasn't showing up as a leader. How can you be when you're spread so thin? Exactly. So, you know, what, one of the strategies that, that I started to implement was like, I made it my job for a while to delegate is I would go into work and say, my job is to delegate as much as possible. And and, and do that in my personal life, do that in, in my professional life. And, and it started to mean I had to give the people on my team a lot more trust. It meant I had to give uh, myself a lot more freedom. <laughs> and, and, and these were these were all pieces of the puzzle that it I, therapy was was incredibly important. We've talked a lot about different mental health, and I think we'll go back to that. But also with my coach, you know, saying, you know, I have a lot of skill. I lot of, I have a number of hard skills in the basics of putting together a production, but that was not where my talent was, and it was not what I could keep doing if I wanted to be leading teams at a higher level. And so I had to have the trust of starting to have other people start to do that work. But it it was a very difficult mindset to get into because I didn't know what wasn't working. And there was just this feeling of like, well, Megan, if you're so smart, why ha- why aren't you president already? Why are you know, it just that that constant feedback loop of if you don't already have what you want, you're just too dumb to go get it. <laughs> yep. Or maybe you've tried it before yeah. in one way and it's like, well, it didn't work that one time. So it's never it gonna did, yeah. work. You're you're not meant to be visible. You're not meant to get those goals. Yeah. Lower lower your lower your goals. Like yeah. Lower that ceiling. Well, and exactly. And and sort of like what you were saying earlier, this belief that working hard will result in, in outcomes. And I, I work freaking hard. I was working incredibly hard. You know, I mean, it was that like, eh, my biggest weakness is that I work too hard. But it was actually because I was not, um, I was not an effective leader. I was not showing up to a team in a way that showed trust or collaboration. And I had to really get vulnerable in order to make that happen in, in a way that's resulted in growth. It's, it's, it's the, I didn't realize how much I had to step away from a lot of the things I was doing in order to make room for more, more growth and more uh, joy and I mean more rest and a, a lot of a lot of more <laughs> a lot of more and less of one huge thing right yes it was yes. like you had to do a less to bring in a lot of more exactly exactly so then I want to ask you know where what was was there a straw that broke the camel's back in this a watershed moment for you to be like fuck it something's got to change or was it a slow buildup mm-hmm. it a little bit of both. Um, I, I had gone through a, a really intense personal time some years before. I parted ways with a job that, you know, I, I was very invested in. 
And I, I was really, really, I was grieving so many things at the same time. And, and I was, I was lost. I mean, spiritually I was lost. And so there, this was in 2000, early 2012. And so that was the first point where I started to really understand that I had to make major changes in my life to not be so sad anymore. (laughs) Uh, And so that was where I I first found uh, meditation. I went on a silent meditation retreat, which I, I highly recommend. It is an intensely vulnerable experience. You really have to you have the opportunity to sit with your mind in a way that is very safe and very gentle. I, I found uh, it's, it, it, it gave me the insight that you, your brain really only has three or four major criticisms and then it just runs out of juice. So it, you know, I used to think that like there, there were so many different types, like my inner critic was really creative and my inner critic just had a million things to say about me. And it was just like, um, you know, you're fat, you're dumb, you're unlovable. And I was like, oh, well, I don't really think those are true. So I, I, you know, thank you for your feedback. I think we can move on. And, uh, <laughs> it's, it's funny because I, I, and, and by the way, I, and this is something I know we've talked about is my weight has fluctuated a great deal. Um, I, I've been in times of incredible fitness and times of a, a much curvier state of being. And the criticism from my own brain is always the same. So maybe it's not actually about what my body looks like. Maybe it's just what happens in, in that part of my brain. So I had come out of this really challenging period and I was uh, now working with an extraordinary company. I was doing really great work. Um, and I, you know, I had all of these pieces of the puzzle, uh, you know, like my boss was great. My team, my coworkers were great. I, I was in a great position, but I was stuck. I was just stuck. There was nothing externally wrong except my circum, you know, like what I, I just wasn't, it, it was like, I had this fantastic car, but it wasn't starting and I didn't know why. And, and so I had, I had done a couple of, you know, it's like I hired an interior decorator and I got a, a non Craigslist couch for the first time. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I sort of realized like I didn't own any furniture. I didn't own uh, I didn't, my home was not my own. And, and so I started this process of saying, okay, what, well, what do I want? What, what's the gap between what I have and what I want? And I, I was pretty opposed to the idea of a coach and to the idea of asking for help in any scenario. And, I, you know, I honestly don't really know what the trigger was, but I started to realize that some of the people that were working at really, really high levels had help. They had teams. They didn't do it by themselves. To repeat, they Novel. didn't do it by themselves. <laughs> Novel idea, right? <laughs> you know, I, there, there's that, I, like that horrible plaque that says, you know, you have as many hours in the day as Beyonce. That's absolutely not true. Beyonce has an incredible team of support, both personally and professionally. So um, you times that 24 yeah. hours times the, 
you know, number of yeah. people she has helping her and supporting the same initiative. Yeah. Is like, I mean, is Beyonce making her own salads? Like, I, I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I would get, I, if yes. I had to place yeah. bets, I would, I would bet on no. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, it's like we, we're able to exponentially grow based on the amount of support we have. And that, that comes in a lot of different flavors and looks a lot of different ways. It's not just about the ability to like hire a staff or, you know, like be able to afford certain things. It, it is really like, how am I concentrating my activities in a way that's geared towards growth and, and towards my goals? And some of that was with my coach, Debbie Robbins, we had to... I didn't really know what it was I wanted. I, I knew that I was capable of doing a lot. I knew that I was capable of producing. Um, I, what I love is leading projects from start to finish. That, that's my great love in life. It is some bringing stories into being in a number of different mediums is the thing I love absolutely more than anything. But what really that meant on a day-to-day level, I had absolutely no idea. <laughs> Like, how do I bring this all together and, and am always working on something from bringing stories from start to finish? What does that look like? Exactly. And how do people get there? I mean, the idea of being a Broadway producer was, it was like saying to me, well, like, do you want to be an astronaut? Like, I'm not going to go to the moon, but nobody does that. But actually now I've been to the moon a couple of (laughs) times, you know, I, I am, uh, enmeshed in, in the Broadway world in a much more concrete way than I was. And, and some of that was, um, you know, working with Debbie, I would say was very, very big picture stuff. And one of the tools that she gave me, which I use all the time is I had all of these ideas, you know, I think with, with so many people that I work with and, and definitely for myself, I have an idea every five minutes and that idea like nags at me and, I get so distracted and I get so just bogged down with the number of unmade ideas that I have. And she started having me say out loud, I am releasing myself from any spoken or unspoken contract I have to create this project and to finish this project. And and she literally had me write it down and say it out loud because I was making unspoken contracts with myself that if I didn't do this thing, I was doing a bad job. And the interesting thing is that's all internal. That was all in your head too. You hadn't even spoken it out to the world. It's not like anybody else was going to say, what about that thing that you did or didn't do? And even if they did, who cares? Yeah. What about that idea that you had in the shower that you never told anybody about, but you're just spending time feeling horrible about yourself for not doing You know, it, nobody in my life was judging me for that, but it was definitely getting in the way of being able to really execute on things that were also important to me. So I had, I did have to set priorities and I had to let go of things. And again, it it was so surprising the amount of, I thought to expand and to grow, I had to take on a whole bunch of stuff and I had to take on a whole bunch of skills. And, and yes, like there, there is some of that, but a lot of it was letting go of things that weren't working. That, that was really the first step. And so, you know, Debbie and I worked on this, you know, huge plan and, and I, I wrote it down and she had me tear things into 
this is something I'm definitely going to do. This is something I might do. And this is something that's on the back burner. And, you know, so it's like I had, I had a roadmap and I've looked back at that plan and I've done it. I've done most of it. So question for that, how did you define those things that you're definitely going to do? A lot of them were already in process, you know, so some of them were, were starting to coalesce together and, and it was, I knew that Broadway was a goal and uh, I knew that there were certain projects that were goals. Uh, you know, some of them came about, you know, with, with one of the first projects I started working on was Hand to God, which was a play on Broadway. And um, it was written by a friend of mine who I had worked with at Ensemble Studio Theater. We were interns, to, uh, or I was an intern and he was an artistic associate, which is a glorified intern. And, um, you know, this, this was in, I think 2005 or six was, was when we had met. And, you know, so, so the show was going to Broadway and I was like, this is, this is, um, there is never going to be another time when someone I know this closely is going to be making their Broadway debut. And so I started trying to put the pieces together for that. Um, and so, but in, in some ways I kind of just had to, to pick to say, okay, these are going to be the things that I concentrate on. And that all, that gave me a lot of freedom was saying, this is what I'm going to do. And if I want to do these other things, I can come back to them at any point, but I have to make a conscious decision. I have to pick a lane. I have to, I have to pick my lanes because I can't have a, you know, 10 lane highway and then nothing will get done. Exactly. And it, and it's, it's a very, like, it's a tricky balance of, communication there because, you know, as, as solopreneurs, we, we wear a million hats, you know, we, we have not picked a lane, but we've picked projects. We've picked projects to work on so that those can flourish. And as you continue to grow, you have the capacity to do a lot more, but when you are starting out looking at, you know, and it's like, you are not going to run out of work to do. You are just not going to run out of work to do. (laughs) That has never been an issue. But freeing yourself of the uh, just unspoken internal pressure of having to do everything you've ever thought that was cool at the same time, that's something you don't have to do. I think what's really interesting, I'm going to interject as um, a similar space as you, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but I already have, we're creative entrepreneurs. Like my -hmm, head is mm -hmm. like you in a loop of this could work, this could work, this could work. We've learned to filter that. Another challenge I had when I was early in my career was everyone else also had a million ideas for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. those those people in the outskirts that aren't in the trenches and looking at what you're, you literally have your 24 yeah. hours at that point when it's just you. They all have, well, what if you did this? What if you did that? And yeah. I realized a few of them, I remember looking at particularly a male friend who had <laughs> gave, gave me a lot of mansplaining ideas. And I looked uh-huh, at uh-huh. him and I said, well, have you asked me what I want to do and who I want to serve? And mm-hmm. that was a big moment for me of a shift of, yeah. I, w- I felt very early in my days that what other people told me to do, they must know better because they have MBAs and they, they are yeah. more qualified in a business realm than I am until I realized mm-hmm. I'm the one that knows who I'm serving. I'm the one that knows my expertise yeah. and how I want it to be put out into the world and who I want to receive it. So that's Mm -hmm. also a way I can make my choices 
because I know who I want to connect with and who I want to influence yeah. and how I want the world to be better by my my talents and my genius. Well, you, you one, I adore you so much. Uh, I, I just, I, I love, and I love the way you said that because it's also related to your, your values. And that's, that's how you, you know, our businesses are how we express our values and our projects are how we express our values. And it, part, I think of this big inflection point was finding out what was important to me. Um, you know, one, one is, uh, like, a, you know, for me, a lot of transparency in terms of how I work, in terms of communication with, uh, the people I pitch to the people I work with, I, you know, I like, there is a lot of squishy business type of, you know, you sort of like, okay, we're going to try and do this. We're going to try and do this. We're gonna, you know, um, you don't always know everything set in stone, but, you know, when you're going to folks and saying, Hey, we don't have the money yet. We're going to raise it. Or we might not it, just not try. You can punch above your weight, but also identify what's happening in reality at the same time. Those are two different endeavors. It's an, and, and you can do this and it's not one or the other. Exactly. And the expression of your values and what you do with your time does have to feel really good to you. And, and that, that was something that I just had never even considered for myself of, wait, what do I believe in? What's my deal? What, what, what's important to me? Who do I want to serve? And, and how am I being of service to the world with what I do? I say and, it's a bit like dating in that yeah. way where there's a point where <laughs> I'll ask friends sometimes I'll say, well, why do you care if this guy liked you or not? If they're, you know, online and upset that he didn't call. I said, do you know if you even liked him? Do you, you know, and there's a, there's a big shift, I think in our lives with relationships, with your business, with everything, when you identify what -hmm. your values are, what is uncompromising, and it does help make decisions on who you want to work with, who you want to support, who you want in your life. It, it makes it much easier than feeling like, well, I have to accommodate to all of these other people before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then maybe you're off your values. You haven't identified your values and stayed to a course. Yeah. And, and as, as a recovering people pleaser, that was adopting the mindset of leadership as service was not the way that I was going about it was I had to help everybody in my life. And I, I had, and honestly, that was a form of control is I really had to control the outcomes for other people and know that they were okay. And so that's something that I could release. I could say, I I am releasing myself from the need to control these people and the outcomes of their life. The service that I have to give to the world is through the stories that I'm telling and through, you know, the, the projects that I bring into creation, you know, I, I am, uh, providing opportunities for artists. I'm providing opportunities for uh, all kinds of different creative entrepreneurs and for investors to get involved in really exciting stuff. And, you, you know, but it, but I, but it, 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 there's this shift of like, yes, I had to do more service and I had to be helping a lot less because I was doing it in a very toxic way. <laughs> And, and just recognizing, you know what, you know what, I did not go about that in a way that was helpful to myself or to the other person. And I'm going to step away from that way of being. 
<laughs> I love that. So I want to go back then to this invest these investments that you've made. So we've got Debbie. And then we've got the couch. We've got like Debbie, we've got a proper couch. So it sounds like you're starting, it's, yeah. you know, it's like for me, I started saying, how am I going to invest in that macro touch point now? One time I was like, I'm going to just, mm-hmm. I'm going to make myself get a manicure, even though I know that's not like true self-care. It's at mm-hmm. least taking that time for myself. So then you, yeah. you started, sounds like almost, you got the macro. Now you're starting to laser yeah. focus yeah. on the next step. So you hired a coach that was specific to your industry. Yes. Yeah, so, so working with Ken and, and Ken, Ken has expanded and pivoted uh, the, the way in which he serves this community a little bit as well. But one of the things I, I loved about working with him is he's also very interested in bringing transparency to Broadway and uh, helping to demystify the process. And so at, at the time, you know, I was able to work with him one-on-one and say, with very targeted, specific conversations about the day-to-day of raising raising money and raising investments is saying, I went to this investor, this is how the conversation went, how can I do it better? This is what I'm trying to do, how can I do it next? And um, he was able to give me feedback from, from an industry perspective. And in a way... You know, I mean, now, like, there are so many people that I talk to that are my friends, and I run things by them who are also industry professionals. Part of what's really helpful, I think, about working with a coach in a very specific coaching dynamic is he is there for me, or your coach is there to serve you. And to so you feel just a lot more freedom about the questions you ask and about how you're going about this, saying, like, this is my time. One, I'm going to show up prepared with questions uh, because, you know, this is costing me money. I I better like show up and make sure that I'm ready for this conversation and that I can get something out of this conversation. And two, um, this person has agreed to work with me in this specific way. And so in, in some ways it's that structure does provide a lot of freedom. And so um, you know, I'll just give a, a shout out to Ken. Also, he has a program now called Theater Makers, um, right, the Theater Maker Studio, which has a lot of different resources. Um, you know, we we do kind of operate in in sort of similar ways now. I think we have different approaches, but you know, he's he's a fantastic producer in person, and uh, you know, so working with him in those early days was incredibly helpful because I got to be very specific and targeted. And I think that's a big of. I like the point of friends versus coaches or, or experts mm-hmm. and, you know, relating it to what I'm doing. It's different to take your friend shopping who loves fashion or who yeah. knows something. It's it's very different because they're there. Of course, they're going to pull things most of the time that they love. Mm-hmm. They're not asking, you yeah. know, well, and what are your goals? How, how do we get yeah. there? How do we have a, a formal partnership that we are working together to create a strategy <laughs> for you to reach your yeah. goals. And it, and it can be both, you know, you know, I, I always think a friend of mine is this extraordinary tarot reader, um, Caitlin Foisey, and we, we are very close. We've known each other nearly 20 years at this point, actually probably over 20 years at this point. Um, and uh, we're, we hang out all the time. We, we hang out. And every so often I say, Hey, can you, can you give me a tarot reading? She doesn't do them so much anymore, but 
you know, that it then kind of transitions into a formal exchange where we set aside time, you know, there is a money exchanged and like, this is the time where we do this activity. And it's a form of respect. It's like, you are, you are my friendship and that is free, but your skill set is not always free. And that's, that's something that, that, you know, you, you, you can hold both of those as long as you're cognizant of where the boundaries are. A thousand percent. And that's where, you know, I, at first, I remember being nervous about becoming friends with clients because of that, especially when it's a a service or, you know, something that's not going through an exchange of goods for an item. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, there was, there was a nervousness for me. And then I realized, no, the people that I have respect me, they respect the talent Mm -hmm. and it, it is a shift. It's a, when they get Natalie style strategist and support that knows them a little bit better actually, because we're friends too. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's you know, <laughs> more of even a laser focus of like, no, you're not yeah, going to wear that. Yeah. I know you are, you know? Um, but I think it's that, that respect of what the, where the time is. It's like, I'm yeah. enlisting you for this and I've, you don't feel taken advantage of then. And you also on the opposite end as me being someone mm-hmm. who has friends also in service, I want them to know how much I value their talent, yeah. their skill set. So, you know, there's no part of me that even I don't want to discount from my friends either. I want them to know that I value their full service um, because. Yeah, no. And it's, I, I feel like as I've grown also, also having friends that have gone to therapy that like have, know what a boundary is, know that you can talk openly about a boundary and where that's going to be important. And it, you know, just that, that, that's, I think just a part of getting older a little bit is, is saying, you know, Hey, I, I have friends that I work with and I have friends that I'm friends with, and I have some friends that I've never worked with. And, um, you know, but it, it, it can get really messy, but as long as you're willing to talk about it very openly and transparently, it can be done. It can be done as long as you know where the edges are and there's a lot of respect going into it. And I think talking then on the business side, I think that's where having formal processes is a very important thing. Um, that's something mm-hmm. that we talk about support and I'll, I'll talk about it later in the episode, but when you do start bringing team members on, I brought in a director of operations who then helped me even process Mm -hmm. my business even more. So it's coming from Natalie, the business, because I have a process, I have a way to pay, I have all of these, Mm -hmm. the structure implemented. So it's very clear where the, where the boundaries are as well. So from, it's on both ends, they respect my boundaries. I've created them. And it's easy to, it's, it's easy to cross it. Like it's easy to cross it in a way that they were yeah. like, we've crossed into friend. We've crossed into service. No. And, and, it, and it's, it's a, a, a testament to you being able to have them be present and clear and easily communicated. And I feel like that that's also where I was coming from in the beginning is I had no boundaries between my work life and my personal life. Everything I did was theater all the time. And, to a certain extent, that's still true, but I do have these sacred spaces with my friends that are also in this business, and we don't always talk about work. Or if we do, we talk about it from a very emotional place and, and a, a place of, I need to process this 
I, I need to talk through this emotional process that I'm going through and not sort of industry gossip. <laughs> it's not the hot gossip. It's how are you going to heal each other and, and, you know, I, talk through things as friends. You know, hot, hot goss can become a little boring if you're in it and doing the work, you know, make, make your own hot goss, <laughs> make, make your, actually make your own cold goss, make, make, have people talk about your projects and not what a hot mess you are while you're doing them. <laughs> I, you know, I, I agree a thousand percent, <laughs> a thousand percent. Make your own cold goss. That, that's, yeah. Keep your side yeah. sweeped up and clean. So all they're talking about is the shiny <laughs> car sitting there because you work so hard yeah. to keep it, you know, to get there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so then let's get to the third, the third investment, <laughs> which is my personal hey. favorite. Um, so you hired me. Um, I did. I did. Why? Why the what, hell would you what? hire me? <laughs> You know, and what a disappointment that turned out to be. Awful. I'll take this time to apologize I, now. So, <laughs> ten, 10 years later, still friends, still working together. Um, it, it, so, I, you know, I, I am trying to remember what, what that impetus was. And at one point I remember, um, so my, my boss at the time, like fantastic director and, and, uh, producer Janice Dosky, um, she, like, I, I had my handbag, which, you know, I think was, it was, it was like a, some kind of canvas tote that was just falling apart at the seams. And, and, and again, it's like, I don't want to frame this as being a conversation around wealth or financial investment, but she said, Megan, that handbag is not appropriate to your station. The way that she expressed this, I thought was a really beautiful challenge because it was about how I was showing up in the world. And I was really exhausted. I was really, I was again, exhausted, exhausted, exhausted was the name of the game. All I did was work. All I thought about was work. I was always stressed out. And I thought that's what you were supposed to do to be taken seriously was to just work all the time. And instead, you know, this, this was a challenge to tell the world that I cared about myself. I cared about the way that I presented myself and I cared about the things that I surrounded myself with, you know? So it, it's like the couch was getting the couch was not just a couch, but am I worthy of a couch that does not come for free from Craigslist or, you know, and it's like, if you get a couch for free from Craigslist, do you care for it? Is that a piece that is meaningful to you? Is it something that you care for and put the investment of your time into? Is it something that you've chosen not out of scarcity? And so, so that was sort of the, like, I, had no idea how to dress myself. All I did, I wore, I wore black. I wore black jeans and I wore black tops. And you know what? I still wear black jeans and I still wear black tops, but I also am looking at them in a way that, you know, can reflect who I am as a person. And I found working with you to be this really revolutionary experience because like, yes, we were talking about clothes. Yes, we were talking about colors. And yes, we were talking about 
style and fashion, but I think you also gave that challenge of how do you communicate that you are worthy to the world? And is that within something that looks really beautifully tailored? Is it something that feels really comfortable or really, you know, really sumptuous or really silky? Is it through a tactile sensation? Is it through uh, a silhouette that you like? Like there are so many different ways to take pride in how you dress yourself and, and, and that, like, I think you were really subtle about communicating that nuance through this lens of one, you know, first, first we did, we just did this massive closet purge of, you know, it's like the first thing you did was throw away like two thirds of my clothes, <laughs> but they didn't fit. They didn't fit. They didn't fit. You know, that, that was most of them. It's like, you do not need to hold on to things that no longer fit you. And um, those things subconsciously tell you, number one, either you're failing or you're not good enough because they're sitting there and you're like, I have all these, be- I have these things and, you know, mm-hmm. I can't shop and, until I'm either fit into these or until this or that, or I made bad purchases. And so those things are just hanging there literally as physical manifestations that are cluttering your brain with negative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, it's it's the same thing as having the projects in the back of your mind that you're going to get to at some point, but that, that you haven't let go of and you haven't quite, uh, 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 you know, you need to decide whether or not you're going to do something or not. And even saying to yourself, I am choosing not to do this right now. You, you know, I think like you're an idea that is going to stay with me and I'm going to, I'm not going to let you go quite yet but I am choosing not to engage right now. That's a really valid position. And I will trust when it's time to engage because I will engage and I've given myself permission not to do it now and to trust myself that I will tackle it when I need to. But it is a lot, you know, we were talking about relationships before, like, well, this is fine. (laughs) It's okay until something better comes along, but then you're not actively looking for something better because you need to clear what's there because you're not going to if you're just coasting and sitting on Netflix, like, I don't know this person or like, you know. Yeah. So, so the permission to let go of a lot of things was really pivotal. And then literally having a guide in stores to say, you know, it's like gave me a, a, a peek into how you think about clothing and how you think about dressing yourself that was really exciting because I I didn't I just didn't have that lens of experience um and I I remember actually at the time I was thinking like wait a minute what does a producer do we hire designers okay I'm gonna hire a designer for (laughs) megankingery.com I love that And, uh, so, so working with you and, um, you know, you're, you're the closet organizer. You worked with James, uh, who was, I still have that organization, uh, template in my closet. It's fantastic, but, uh, you know, it was creating a lot of space for, for new things. And, um, and then, you know, since then we we've worked together on, uh, usually more special events. So the the few times I have gone to the Tonys, I have gone to certain galas, um, I've been able to engage with you in, in those ways of saying, like, how do I show up in a way that's going to feel really good on the day? And, uh, you know, I'll also just tell your listeners a story. I 
I think the last time we worked together as a, when I was a client was, you know, I, I had, uh, my body shape had changed a lot. Um, I had put on a lot of weight because of, of a number of things that were going on in my life and came to you. And and with this idea of just like, you know, I'm still going to be just in this body that I hate, but maybe my clothes will make me feel differently. And one of the things you said that I, I hold on to all the time was I get to see so many different human beings and their relationship to their body. I think every single one of them is so beautiful and interesting and creative. And they all have the same complaint about their body. They all have the same types of criticisms. And again, it's that like, oh, it's not really about the body and the body shape. It's about how I'm feeling inside this vessel. And, uh, you know, and it was so helpful to me at the time and, and, and still, still is. It's like, I, what I'm trying to adopt now is, is body neutrality. You know, I like, I don't have to love it all the time, but I'm also not allowed to hate it. We're, we're going to be neutral. And grateful for it. And we, there's always something yes. we can be grateful for. Our body is allowing us to do the things we love in life, but our body is allowing us to get the places we need to go to see people. Our body, like it's respecting, uh, even I'll take neutral and saying, I'm going to respect what my body is giving me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, but so those, those are a number of the ways that we've worked together, but it oddly, it really did during that first time in 2014, I walked into rooms very differently when I had been styled than versus when I put no thought into what I was wearing. And, and again, it wasn't about the clothes. It was about confidence. And I think that's a a quick thing for me to bring up with that and the time that you hired me. And now it's a time when you are transitioning from that. I'm an assistant, I'm a cog. And when you want to get out of it, it's such a critical time to invest in yourself because that's when it is actually going to change the way you walk into a room. And it's the first time that people need to take notice of you in a different way. And then I want to point out too, than where you are now that you have earned that right you are, you've earned, you've earned that right. Cause you walked into the rooms, you owned them. You've got the long list of accolades and you're in a different shift where you actually, in, in some ways can pull back some from it because people already know that you're mm-hmm. very valuable. Mm-hmm. Of course, still invest in yourself and you're investing yourself in a different way, visually in elevated basics. Cause you're, it's more about probably how it feels. I'm guessing how it feels against your skin, how it moves, how, you know, um, yeah. that point, but you're still investing, but you don't need to invest as much in walking into a room and making people remember yes. this presence because you're trying to gain traction it, ex- and build up that exactly. world. Exactly. Exactly. I, I don't, I, the, the funny thing about just career in general is you're like, there's going to be a time when I have nothing to prove. And, you know, what happens is your career grows and you just, you know, there's that feeling of, oh, no, I just have to prove this to a whole different set of people and a whole, it, it's, and, and I've, I've honestly stopped tr- spending time in that mindset of, I, I, no, I just, I just don't have to anymore. 
You're proving um, it to yourself. What, it's more like, yeah, I know exactly. I can do it. What, what I have to do is raise money for my projects and lead them to completion and provide exceptional value for my coaching clients. That's, that's what I have to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about the fourth thing. Cause we just talked about m- visually manifesting through wardrobe. Now you put something permanent as a permanent manifestation of investing in yourself. Tell me about your first tattoo and how that even came about. <laughs> oh my goodness. So my very first tattoo um, was I, I have these two birds on my ankles and, and it's, it's a, it's a Chinese uh, immortal being called the, uh, I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, but the Feng Huang, uh, which is similar to a Phoenix and it's always represented in the male and female aspect. And so I have a male on, on one leg and I have a female on the other in, in this kind of like, I am, uh, I represent dualities. I contain multitudes. Um, and that was, that was my first tattoo, I think in like 2010 or 11. And then you got and a big then ass I discovered, one. Yeah, no, then I discovered <laughs> that tattoos are really fun. <laughs> and so, so they started, uh, you know, they, they, they started as a little bit small and then they started to get better. And so this peacock was my first really, really big one. And, you know, you can, uh, Natalie can see how gorgeous it is and all of the people listening can just imagine and um, it's it's this really intricate peacock, and peacocks represent uh, love and wealth. And <laughs> the joke I always make is, anytime now, any anytime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I, I really I thought that was just a, it was a very beautiful um, way to adorn myself. Is this is what I'm trying to attract? I am trying to attract love and wealth, and and now. You know, for for those of you who can see, I have I have uh, a full sleeve on, or a half sleeve, I guess, on on one one shoulder. It's starting to fill up uh, on my on my other shoulder. I have uh, my back is covered with a specific style of Cambodian tattoo. Uh, it's a it's a style uh, that's popular in Cambodia and Thailand, and and these are. Uh, worn by warrior monks traditionally, and they they have certain properties. And I I did get them in Phnom Penh, in Cambodia, done by uh, a monk who's who's uh, trained in this particular traditional style. I, it's it's a whole thing, and they're both time consuming and expensive, but also something I adore about myself <laughs> that I love to put. Uh, just time, time and investment into because it's really like this is a way to represent myself as a piece of art in the in the world. And as a Broadway producer, I stand out a little bit. And so I one of the fun things that we've worked on together is like ways to show off uh, my neck, back and shoulders is is because uh, I am recognizable, not just with my sparkling personalities, but because I am a Broadway producer covered in tattoos and that's always something that I really enjoy. <laughs> it's a talking point. It's something interesting. And you have made conscious choices on what you're putting permanently on your body. And so mm-hmm. I would imagine that it's such a conversation starter, but not then in a 
let's talk about the weather. It's not like a banal, <laughs> it's not a banal conversation starter. It can exactly. probably be a great segue for you to lead into your values, what you offer, a story, something that's more than exactly, you know, like so the banal well, combo. There's a lot of different ways in, in which my tattoos represent different values of mine and different things that are important to me. Um, you know, there's, there's this one on my shoulder. This is actually a poster of a, uh, a whiskey company that uh, my great grandparents were the founders of called Red Top Rye. Uh, you know, when they first came over from Germany, one of the things that they did as, as pioneering Ashkenazi Jews was start a whiskey and whiskey distribution company. <laughs> That's so cool. And so, you know, I, I have like these different pieces of my history. It's interesting. I'm going to have to talk you through it, but I've, um, I guess this is an announcement. It maybe it's a way I'm investing in. It is a way I'm investing in myself is that I've been thinking about a tattoo for a long time. And it was related to the first time I could think about something that I knew would be meaningful enough that I would want it forever on my body. Cause I think the first one, if you didn't do the first one as mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a quick decision, it feels like the first one is, is a big deal. Yeah. Um, And I had a friend give me the suggestion who also like you has, she's sleeving it out and, um, started, started small and, and is getting big. Um, she told me, think about what you want and then think about where you want it and keep that in your mind for at least six months. And if you're still excited Mm -hmm. about it, then, you know, maybe find the designer, reach out. Um, and mine's going to be exactly. two hummingbirds for my mom and me. Oh. And, uh, and I know oh. where I'm going to get it. And so okay. it's, it's now the time of yeah. making the appointments. And- well, one, I have a fantastic artist for you. So, so I'll, I'll share that. Perfect. You know, I, I know I have become like the, the, um, you know, the, the gateway person for a number of other folks getting tattoos, which is always exciting to me, this is, this is instead of theater production advice, this is what my friends come to me for is where should I get my tattoo? Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I, I love that. And I love your friend's advice. It's like, it is really my, my rule used to be that I had to want the same thing in the same place for a full year before I would get it. And, and now I, uh, my standards are a lot more lax. I, I, I tend to, to want to search out the artist that I want to work with and uh, uh, the artists that I think are um, doing really well are often booked many, many months in advance. So it's, it's something that you think about for a long time and, you know, it's an incredible act of, of trust to go to someone and say, can you mark up my body permanently? (laughs) Yeah. Don't misspell anything. Don't misspell anything. I mean, you know, I love, I love that there are a lot of fun ways for people to get like more, uh, more substantial temporary tattoos. There's this thing now called ephemeral tattoos where you can get something that lasts, I think for a few weeks to a few months. So, so there's, there's ways for people that want to take smarter, smaller bites, but. (laughs) I'm like kind of one of those. I'm like, if I'm going to do it, then just fucking do it. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. Oh, you'll never look back. Well, and then I think something interesting about tattoos is also that it was a, it was something that was so PC. It wasn't very feminine. It was something that you had to hide. And so I think it's such an outward manifestation. Mm -hmm. I like that we've ended in looking back at your investments in this 2014 time (laughs) of you. It was like internal work 
And then we're getting more and more external of showing like you had to do the internal work first to be confident to literally show up physically as you are. And it's such Mm -hmm. a bold (laughs) statement that like clothing can be temporary. And then you're finally like, no, like this is who I am. I'm going to put this on my body. It's not going anywhere. And like I've done the work to say I'm going to show it. And I'm going to talk, be able to talk exactly. about it and I'm not going to hide it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's so cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, Yay! I love this. So I think that this conversation is a great, I think it's a great episode to give the listeners aware who you are challenge, which I'm prone to do every, every so often. Mm-hmm. And it's one that I've now challenged. I challenged myself before to do because you really, as you said, your posts got other people thinking. Well, it it got me thinking. And I told myself this year when Mm -hmm. it started that it was the year of breathing. And to your point, Mm -hmm. you know, I was talking to somebody who said, Natalie, you know, in a short period of time, you you lost both parents. You left a big contract. You moved. You got married. There's a lot of life Mm -hmm. things happening. And then in a business world, it's easy to redirect all of – it's easy to redirect all of that into work. And saying, yeah, "Yeah, but, you know, I'm doing what I love and I'm redirecting. So this year was my year of breathing and a lot of intentionality and building things slowly. So this was a really good reminder for me then as we're getting into the second half of the year of thinking about sitting down and thinking about how I'm going to invest in myself. So my where who you are challenge for everyone is to do the same, is to sit down. Summer's coming. Hopefully it's a slower time to come up with three ways You can come up with as many as you want, but at least three ways on how you're going to invest in yourself for the rest of this year. So I'll share mine just so we can get people going. And if you are comfortable sharing a few of yours, Megan, we can um, end the episode with that. So the list I came up with was the first one is that many of you know, I'm pulling back on personal clients for the summer. And so I guess this is a good time to drop a fun uh, little announcement and nugget. But one investment I've made is in a writing coach and I'm putting together a book proposal and it's been, um, I'm really excited and it's been something that's a long-term dream that I have. And I came from an editing and writing background and just never really felt like it's the right time. And this year of like Mm -hmm. thinking and sitting down and breathing, it feels like it's like a dream to do moment. So that's one investment. And if I'm going to do it, I want to do it with, someone I trust that can take me through the process um, mm-hmm. really thoughtfully. So that's that's my first thing. The second is that I'm t- I'm now setting aside time every week when I look back at your like stare at the wall time. I'm taking time to invest <laughs> in me time. So I very am the first thing that goes for me is like a Pilates, a walk and talk with friends, a jog, you know, going to get my brows done. That is literally the first thing I'll drop off with that excuse of mm-hmm. just got so much to do, no time. So I literally now I'm like sitting down. And I just started it a couple of weeks ago because I was having a moment where I'm like, why am I feeling so tired? And it's because I wasn't yeah. getting up early, taking time just for me. And so I now sit down at the beginning of the week and it just started of what days are you doing this? And I put it in my calendar. So it's blocked off. So even mm. everyone on my team can't touch that time. And I've put yeah. it out into the world, so I'm accountable. So that's the second thing. I'm yeah. like really. And can, Natalie can't touch that time. Natalie can't touch that time <laughs> because it's in the count. Because you know what? The great thing is, is I've invested in people, and that's my my next one. But the, I've invested yeah. in people that will say, "Oh no, well you've got 
you know, you've got this scheduled, so we can't schedule another meeting because otherwise I would be the first to move it. So I've made this commitment and I'm making this commitment out here to everyone. So hold me to it. And then the third way is I'm really investing in bringing in more support in my business. So I'm actively Mm -hmm. looking for Mm -hmm. someone to help me in person so I can spend more time in my zone of genius. We say I invested four years ago and like the best human investment was my director of operations, Allison, who has the opposite brain of me. So she actually likes to do all the tasks and she likes putting processes together. I can do it. I don't like to do it and I shouldn't be doing it because my brain needs to be there creatively. So we're working together to look at who can be a continued investment because that will support me. That will support the business growth. It will support the client. So I know it's as a small business, it's like, oh my God, I have to pay people. That That's huge when, you know, we're not yeah. Google yeah. Um, <laughs> and, or even close to Google. And I, you know, it's like, I have to remember that when you put those people in to support you, then you're really supporting mm-hmm. yourself and the values that I'm trying to put on the world. So those are my three investments that I'm making right now is time for myself, yes. book and human capital. Yes. What are you? I yours? love that. What are yours? Oh, it's, uh, I, I love that. So <laughs> full disclosure, Natalie gave me, gave me a little bit of time to prepare. So uh, I, I'm, and I didn't really use a lot of it, but I, I know that one of the things I'm investing in most this year is rest. I am, uh, I have always been a terrible sleeper. I have had insomnia since I think I was first conscious <laughs> enough to know what sleeping well through the night was, but I am, you know, doing the things I am getting screens out of the bedroom. I, I am lovingly and joyfully uh, embracing a full night's sleep and rest and supporting myself. And, and it's, it's, it's been a, a challenge my entire life. And I think it's the first time I'm really willing to relax into it shall we say it's it's like i can't force it i have to relax into it one of the other things i'm investing in is i am uh wanting to date again dot 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 uh you know i i would say romantic relationships are the thing i put on the back burner absolutely the most often to to everything else in my life uh, I'm married to my work. I'm married to my projects. I, I, you know, just my dog needs too much of my time. And I, I'm also a fiercely independent individual. And I, it, it is often, I, you know, I meet a lot of wonderful people, but it's, that's something that I have not put the time into getting to know other people and like, again, just relaxing into that process and being willing to be, be open to, the time it takes to cultivate uh, a romantic relationship in, in my life. So that is something that I, I am, I'm declaring to the universe that I am going to be open to. And it may be very, very baby steps, but we're going to do that. Um, another thing that I'm investing in is gratitude for the projects that I'm working on. And that includes my coaching business. It is something that gives me great joy. It is something that gives me incredible nourishment and I, uh, being able to work with clients and see them succeed and uh, really thrive in, in becoming producers and becoming 
expert fundraisers and becoming, you know, creative leaders on their own is something that gives me incredible joy. And the, the projects that I'm working on are advancing in ways that are really fruitful and nourishing. And so part of, you know, I, I have the skills to bring these projects into fruition, but also I need to remember for Megan, I'm doing this because I want to see these projects in the world. And I'm doing it because I love making art and I love telling stories and I love working with unbelievable artists. So I'm having to take some time to be grateful and just like sit in that joy while I'm doing it and, and being willing to say things like sit in that joy, because I, I will beat up on myself for being too cheesy or too sincere or too anything. And you know what? No, I am claiming my sincerity. <laughs> Claim it, own it. It's, you know, we need more of it. Exactly. I always say you can't be too grateful. You can't be too loving. You can't be too, you know, any positive emotion. I don't think you can be too much of it if it's sincere. And from exactly. you, I know nothing but sincerity from you. <laughs> I don't think you're capable of insincerity, truly. I, you know, I can get there, but, but not, not, uh, not with my buddies, not, not with you. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, and this has been a joy. This, this has, has been, been so such a joy. Can you let the listeners know where they can find you? We will put it in the show notes, but if anybody wants to have a conversation with you or follow along, where can they find you? Absolutely. So uh, you can find me at my website. Uh, if you Google MeganKingery.com, which is my name, you can get to me, uh, but also POEGlobal.com. Uh, that stands for Producer of Everything. And uh, you'll find out a lot more about the work that I've done in producing, what I've worked on, what I'm going to be working on. Uh, and also, uh, the, there's a, a space for my coaching. So if you are someone that is a creative entrepreneur, really in, in any medium, um, or, uh, you know, specifically in film, television, immersive and, and live, live work, um, and are interested in expanding your career and your fundraising capacity, or if you just feel stuck, you know, if, if you are, trying to expand your bandwidth and capacity and leadership skills. Uh, that's something, that's a process that I had to go through. And we, that's something we talked about it today and I did it with a coach and now I am doing it with clients and it is such a exciting and wonderful process. So join me, join, join <laughs> Megan. I would highly recommend it. She's She's walked the walk and is such a beautiful, safe, <laughs> safe, safe space. Um, so thank you again so much. And to the listeners, as you get dressed every day, remember, don't forget to wear who you are, remember who you are. And sometimes figuring that out is by reinvesting in yourself from the inside out. See you next time. Thanks for joining another Wear Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BU Style. That's the letters B, U, and Style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore Tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Where Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again. And see you next time.